0: Good morning, and God bless you. Merry Christmas to you guys. Man, what an awesome time of year. Such a special week, such an exciting week, and uh, we're sure glad that you guys are joining us here this morning as we get into God's Word, as we just allow God's Word to just touch our hearts, because that's, after all, what God desires most. He wants your heart, and He wants His Word to come into your heart. He wants to change your life, to look more like Christ, and so I've been praying this week that uh, this message, the words that I have to speak to you, um, fall on hearts that are ready to hear from the Father, hearts that are ready to receive what the Holy Spirit wants you to receive right now. This is such a great week, as I mentioned. It's a week of of great joy, uh, a week of excitement. Um, The birth of Christ is just so incredible. And honestly, words can't even begin to describe what a wonderful season this is. And the birth of Christ, it's a little bit more than just a time of excitement, a story of, of great anticipation. But I see the birth of Christ as a story of faith and of faithfulness. You see, when God speaks something, he means it. He says what he means, and he means what he says. And in order to have faith, God has to speak first. He has to say something. And God spoke long ago in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He made that promise. He made that promise that he would put a seed into woman, and that seed would raise up, rise up, and he would break the generational curses of sin and death. And he spoke a lot more after that, too. For centuries, God would speak about this coming Messiah, the coming seed, the anointed one. There's many messianic prophecies in the Bible. Some say there's around 400. I I don't know exactly how many there are, but there's a lot. (laughs) And they're written and recorded at many different times in God's word. And we're going to look at one of them this morning. It's in Isaiah. It's in chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Isaiah chapter 9. Let me get my notes right here. The prophet Isaiah, he wrote a lot about the coming Messiah. Okay, There's a lot of messianic prophecies regarding the anointed one of God in the book of Isaiah. And I want you, just for frame of reference here, Isaiah wrote these prophecies seven, about 700 years before Jesus Christ was born. That's a long time before. But in chapter 9, and verse 6 and 7, is what we're going to look at right now. Isaiah prophesies, and he says, "'For to us a child is born, "'to us a son is given,' and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government or his dominion, and of the peace there will be no end, and of the on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is God declaring what he's going to do. And at this time when this was written, kings at this time, it was very common for them to have titles with their names, titles that talked about their qualities and their accomplishments. And here it says, This son, this child to be born to us was going to be wonderful. He was going to be our counselor. He was going to be the great advisor unto us. It is this Jesus that God said that he was going to open up the eyes that are blind. He was going to lead out of the dungeon the prisoners and show us a new way, show us a new way to live. Yes, what a counselor he is unto us. It said that he'd be a mighty God. A better translation for that is a mighty ruler. In the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, Peter says, in verse 36, he says, Let all the house of Israel there for know for a certain that God has made him, Jesus Christ, both Lord and Christ. God has set Jesus Christ above all rule and authority, power and dominion in this age and in the age to come. Yes, he is a mighty ruler. And it says he'd be called an everlasting father. In the Bible, to start something, you were referred to the father, as the father of that. And Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is the father of the next generation, of the next age, the everlasting age. Jesus Christ was the firstborn from the dead, and everybody after that, gets to follow in his footsteps he was the first one he was the starter of it yes everlasting father and it says that he'd be prince of peace jesus christ came to bring peace between god and man he was the mediator and yes he as king will rule and reign when peace is brought into perfection here on this earth These are just some of the messianic prophecies of the Savior that we celebrate here this time of year. The Son of God, the Christ, the little baby that was born. What a game changer. What a game changer for this world. A world that has waited for around 4,000 years from when God first made that, that promise in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 of a Savior to come. That's a long time. But you talk about God's faithfulness. And there there's many times where the future didn't look so bright for God's people, for people who loved God, who, who had a great reverence for God, God who has made many promises to his people. Didn't look so good for them over the course of that 4,000 years. There's lots of ups and downs. But God just cherishes those that have faith. Through the ups and the downs of life, God seeks out those that trust in him, that have faith, that would believe what he said to be true. And when I think about faith, we, we we look at Mary and just her response to God. I want you to turn with your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to look at chapter two. And, no, you know what? We're going to start in chapter one. Um, but the Gospel of Luke is special because uh, it records the most regarding the birth of Jesus Christ and a lot of the events that took place before then. And so we're going to read some, uh, some passages you, you've most likely have heard. These passages we're about to read in these sections of scripture, but I want you to—I want you to just own them, hear them in, in a different lens this morning. So I hope you have your Bibles. I'm turning in chapter one to verse 26, and so <clears throat> and I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. In the sixth month how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, she has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with god and mary said behold check out this response behold i am a servant of the lord let it be to me according to your word and the angel departed from her mary is believed to be under the age of 14 when the angel gabriel appears to her gives her this great news says, greetings O favored one Tells her what's about to happen. Mary obviously questions it. How's this going to happen? I'm a virgin. Gabriel tells her what's going to happen, and she says, "I'm a servant of the Lord. Be it to me, according to your word." Let's, I'm in. Let's go. In other words, <laughs> let's let's do it. <laughs> okay. I may not fully understand it all, but I'm in. <laughs> Amen. Oh, and Gabriel's like, oh yeah, and by the way, your your relative Elizabeth, one who was barren, one who the womb was closed, could not bear children. Oh yeah, just letting you know she's in her sixth month of pregnancy. Because what God speaks comes to pass. For nothing will be impossible with God. There's a great word in there, rhema. It's no, no freshly spoken word of God will be without power. No word of God is without power or is, is, is void of bringing to pass what needs to occur. And so in verse 39, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country. So she gets the news, and she's like, oh, I'm going to book it, I'm going to book it, I'm going to go, I'm going to head out to see my cousin Elizabeth. So she heads out to the hill country, to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, the baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what God of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary comes in the house. I don't know if Elizabeth saw her or not, but it says that she heard the greeting of Mary. And that's when the baby, we know the baby in Elizabeth, was Jesus' cousin, which is John. We know him as John the Baptist. As Jesus referred to this John the Baptist, he would be a prophet of the Most High, and he was the greatest of all prophets because this is the prophet that was sent to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. But you have Elizabeth, Mary opens the door, says, Elizabeth, hey, cuz, what's up? And it said the baby leaped in her womb. It said the ho- she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happens is Elizabeth start, is starting to speak prophetically over Mary. There wasn't a text. She didn't get a text say, hey, uh, oh, my gosh, Elizabeth, guess what? I just, I just saw from uh, Gabriel, and he told me that you're pregnant. What fantastic news. I'm coming to help out. I'll be there in a couple days. There was no text message. There was no telegram. There was no quick phone call. There was no email. Elizabeth didn't know any of this. Mary shows up. Holy Spirit fills her, and she speaks prophetically over Elizabeth. Er, excuse me. Elizabeth speaks prophetically over Mary. Whoa. Forty-six. Now, Mary's response. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. He has exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forevermore. And Mary remained with her, Elizabeth, about three months and then returned home. Check out Mary's response. Check out Mary's response. What Mary does is she aligns her voice with what God had just spoken over her. Not only what was said with the angel Gabriel, but what also the Holy Spirit came to speak through her cousin Elizabeth. Mary was attentive to it. She didn't say, ah, yeah, I know, I, I got that word too from Gabriel, but I just don't really know. I mean, I, mean, I don't, I mean, I don't, uh. she, she aligns her voice with an outcome before it even occurred. She said, all generations will call me blessed. God has done mighty, and great things for me. Nothing's really happened yet. But she's praising God, aligning herself with the result before it even occurs. That is faith, guys. That is faith. That's believing something before it even comes to pass. God speaks a word, you believe it. You hear something in the Holy Spirit through another individual. You're, she's on like high alert. She's ready for it. She's anticipating it, and she tones it. She, she she takes it in. And aligns her voice and her heart with what was spoken over her. <laughs> All right. So in the next couple of verses, we, we 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 read about uh, Zachariah. Uh, excuse me, um, uh, John the Baptist, and and. Uh, uh, just the great prophecy over this this wonderful prophet of the Lord. And then I want to jump into chapter 2 with you. And we are going to start, where do I want to start here? Um, In verse 8, chapter 2 of verse 8. So we fast forward a little bit. In verse 8 of chapter 2, in the Gospel of Luke, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there, will be, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, what was that? No, I just said that. Um, let, us, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all, catch this, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them but Mary treasured up all these things pondering them in her heart and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them these shepherds got some talk about talk about an experience in the fields these guys are doing their thing And these angels appear to them. A great light is shining around them, tells them what's going on, that this day a Savior is born, Christ the Lord. Book it to Bethlehem. They go to Bethlehem. They find this baby in swaddling clothes, which does not happen long. The timing's absolutely perfect for them to be there in the manger to see this baby in swaddling clothes. And then they tell everybody present what the angels had told them concerning this child. I don't know how many people were there, but there's people there. And it said that the people there marveled at what the shepherd told the people concerning this child. They marveled at it. They're like, whoa, wow. But Mary, she received the information a little differently. It said that she treasured these things pondering them in her heart. To treasure something is to hold on to something, to preserve it, to keep it deep, to keep it from fleeting, to keep it from going away. She held on to that thing, didn't want to lose it. She held on to the information that God had given her. What she had heard, God speak. This news, this information, she held on to that. This is faith, guys. There's a difference between hearing the message, hearing scripture. I mean, these verses, we've probably, if you've been raised in a God-fearing Christian home, you've heard these records. Just like a lot of scripture. But do we marvel at it? Do we say, man, that's unbelievable. That's incredible. That's, wow. (laughs) And then you go out and do your thing? Or do you treasure the word? Do you hold God's word in your heart where you can't lose it when you're at work? When you get into some trouble? When you're frustrated? Are you treasuring God's word? Are you treasuring what God has spoken about you? That's faith. I want to treasure. We want to treasure the word of God. I said earlier. Mm, God's word is worth owning. It is worth treasuring. It is worth taking hold of. It's worth putting deep in the heart and continuing to just store up God's word within you. David said, "For I have, I have, I've stored up your word in my heart, so that I may not sin against you. I have stored up your word in my heart." And and like Mary, she was pondering the word. She was thinking it over in her head. She was tossing it over in her heart. Like I said. When God speaks. He says what he means. It means what he says. Isaiah 55, says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I purpose it. And it shall succeed in the thing for which I send it. When God says something, he's going to do it. Even if it's about 4,000 years later, he's going to bring it to pass. He's going to make it happen. Rest assured, he's going to make it happen. In Galatians we kind of get like a zoom out approach many, many years later. Now after Jesus has, has risen at the right hand of God and you have Paul writing, he says, but when the fullness of time came, God sent his son born of woman under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you're a son, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God. When the fullness of time came, to God, that was about 4,000 years from when he made that first promise. And guess what? We live in that fullness of time right now. Right now. It's the fullness of time right now. We live in it. It's the now. It's here. A fulfillment of God's greatest promise. His greatest gift. We got it now. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1 and 2 says, Working together with him. This is working together with God then we appeal to you, do not receive the grace of God in vain. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. Verse 2, He says, In a favorable time, I have listened to you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. This is cited from Isaiah 49. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the favorable time. Again, we've got God's greatest gift. He has already, it's, it's packaged, it's delivered, it's at the front door. You're getting alerts on your phone saying, package has been delivered. Package has been delivered. <laughs> I just I step back and I think of God thinking, like, I have given you the greatest thing I have given you, I I could ever give you in this gift, the Messiah. In my son, not only have I given you the atonement of your sins, past sins, future sins, I've wiped that clean. He is the payment, a payment of which you could not make, but I've given you that in him. Oh yeah. And not only that, but I gave you an example in him of how to walk and to live righteously. Everybody wants to be a good person, in the heart of hearts, everyone wants to do the right thing. Everyone wants to be a, a good person, to feel good. We didn't know what it looked like to be a good person. We didn't know what righteous, we had the law to kind of get an idea, but God gave us Jesus Christ, an example of how to live righteously. I'm not too handy, but if I'm working on a project and you are far more skilled than me and you say, hey, Garrett, pick up that brush and just do what I'm doing, I can pick up that brush and just, I can follow you. I can do that. Oh, yeah, I didn't just give you an example. But even further, I gave you the Holy Spirit. I gave you a means to carry out the righteousness that you're called to walk in. So I've given you An example, I've given you the body, I've shown you what it looks like, but I also gave you the engine. And that's the Holy Spirit that has been poured forth into our hearts by Jesus Christ. And God says, in your time here on earth, this very short period of time, I've also made it available for you to talk with me, for me to talk with you, for us to commune together, for us to just be together in this very short time that you're going to be here on this fallen earth. Oh yeah, and, and in this gift, I also gave you eternal life. <laughs> it's just icing on the cake. It's all found in Jesus Christ. It's all found in Jesus, our Lord, this baby that was born unto us, the promised seed, and this is what we celebrate this time of year. But honestly, it means nothing to you. Well, let me, uh, let me back up. But that's not fair to say. It doesn't mean as much to you if you just marvel at what I just said, wow, that's cool, man. It will mean far more to you if you treasure this word from God, if you treasure this truth from God. See, my question to us is, is your life any different Not that this gift has been delivered to you? Is your life Any different now that this gift has been delivered to you? Is your worldview changed at all? Or do you look like someone, do you think like somebody who has got no power over the choices that they make, who feels lost, confused, helpless, trapped, a sin? trapped in sin, a slave to whatever feeling or thought that they have because Jesus Christ is the chain breaker. Jesus Christ is the one who has called us to be set free. He has opened the eyes that are blind. That is my Messiah. He has changed my life. This gift has changed my life. This gift from God has changed my life. It's changed the way I see people. It changes the way that I think. It changes the standard of which I now live my life by. And I have a closer relationship with God than I've ever had before since having accepted this amazing and gracious gift that I so didn't earn. That's Jesus Christ. Hear the treasure the words. Treasure these words, guys. Don't leave here and, and, and just go back doing the same thing. This a work in progress. The Lordship of Jesus Christ continues to change your life. The more and more you said, like Mary, I'm a servant of the Lord, be it to me according to your word. I may not understand it all. I may not understand every promise in here. I may not understand all the truth that's in here. But what I will do is I, I will treasure this. You, you do have a choice to treasure it. You, have, you do have the ability to meditate and ponder something around in your heart. Regarding what God has spoken about you. And I want to see it in your actions. That's what God wants to see. He wants to see your life changed because of the information that He's given you, what He has spoken, and what He's given to you in His Son. It's been t- about 2,000 years since Jesus Christ came, lived as He did, died for our sins, and was raised. And when that Holy Spirit was poured forth into us, about 2,000 years. Don't get lost in time now. Don't get lost in time. He will come back. He will come back, and he will gather all of those that belong to him. And this time of year, we celebrate this, Lord. We celebrate this great gift that God has given us. Treasure it. Treasure it. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, or maybe you've just been marveling at the things of God, maybe you grew up in a Christian home and you've just marveled at the things of God. Wow, that's so fascinating scripture. There's an opportunity right now, wherever you're at in your home, here in this room, to say, I want to unfold more of this great gift that has been given to me. It's the yes of your heart to follow Jesus as Lord, to honor him as that great gift, to honor him as mighty ruler, wonderful counselor, everlasting father and prince of peace. This is God's gift to you. This is God's gift to you personally, personally, you. I want to pray with you. Father, thank you so much just because, wow, You're just so good, God. Thank you, Father, for what you've given to us, how you teach us, how we just grow to be more like our Lord. Father, we love you, and I pray, Father, for everybody listening in that they would stop at this time of year and, and really just unplug and just be thankful to start treasuring the word that you have spoken to them the fresh word, the fresh word in scripture, the fresh words that come by way of the Holy Spirit as we walk throughout our days. Father, I pray that they would cherish those things so that you would just get the glory that you so desire through your chosen one, the anointed one, Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. I love you guys, God bless you. Have an awesome Christmas. We will see you here in the new year. God bless.